0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today.
1: Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating so that you can just drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. Today's show is brought to us by BarkBox. Go to getbarkbox.com slash Project. For your 6 or 12 month subscription, you get 1 month free and that will make your approach very happy. We are currently in Sebastian, Florida, which means I will, do be, I will be doing this podcast with my father-in-law, Daniel Barker. One of our listeners said, when are you doing a, another podcast with Daniel? So here he is. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure. I wanted to talk to you about,
0: I don't know what the correct term would be, but flea marketing. I've been to flea markets before, but going to a flea market with you, I feel like I'm going with an expert. So I want to ask you, how did you get into going to flea markets and um, sales of, the, of that nature?
2: Well, actually it was uh, almost by accident. We now live in Florida, um, but if you go back and the family's history. We started off in my hometown and my wife's hometown of Hanover, Massachusetts. We then moved to Canada, New Brunswick, and we bought an old farm up there. And then after I retired, I was offered uh, uh, a position with a company in Nashville, Tennessee. So we moved there. Now what this all means is that we've accumulated uh, actually three houses, (laughs) and at one point we owned three houses. We had Florida, we had New Brunswick, and also Tennessee. Time has come to retire. What do we do? Well, we have to pick one, and after much thought... And going through winters in both Tennessee and Canada, Mm -hmm. I mean, the choice was Florida. Now, here's the problem. Our house in Tennessee was about 3,200 square feet. We had a big old farmhouse in Canada. And many years in which we have accumulated things. Our house in Florida is quite small. It was 1,200 square feet. Just to give you the perspective that when we moved to Florida, we had to find a bigger house. So we went all the way up to 1,800 square feet. (laughs) By the time we moved all our belongings down here to Florida, we had no room in any of the rooms to move around. What do you do with all this stuff? That's a good question. So looking around, said, well, we ended up giving a lot away. We gave away half our library, we gave away over a thousand books, we gave away furniture, we gave away quite a bit of stuff. Point is we didn't get rid of it all. Right. What do we do with these collectibles and these these things we have accumulated? So in this town there was a very large flea market that they did once a, a month. I took a booth This is
0: Florida we're talking about.
2: This is Florida. We're now in Florida only. We took a booth, and my wife and I set up, and we brought down everything we could think of, big and small. Well, we sold quite a bit. Okay. And I said, oh, well, this is good. We get money for it, and uh, we're getting rid of it. But as I was doing this, I did the following month, and then uh, it went on from there, where I was doing two or three flea markets a month. And what I realized is that people, you have different types of people. You have people that are collectors, you, and they collect all sorts of things. And you have people that are uh, just looking for let's say, good-used furniture, uh, pots and pans, dishes, whatever. Everyday items. Everyday items. Because here in Florida, you get a lot of people, we call them snowbirds, that only come down during the winter months. And, and a
0: snowbird is someone who lives in the northern part of the of North America, whether it be the United States or Canada, and winters in Florida or warmer climates.
2: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, So therefore, uh, I started looking around, and I realized there were certain things I liked. As an example, um, I've always had a very soft spot for fiesta ware. Why? Because my grandparents had it, and that brings back
0: warm feelings. Sure. And we should mention that fiesta ware is a style of dishware from, I want to say, New Mexico, right? It's actually manufactured
2: in West Virginia,
0: in the Ohio Valley. There you go. And it's very colorful plates and dishes and mugs and whatnot. And actually, we're drinking coffee right now from some fiesta ware. And once you see it, you know exactly what we're talking about.
2: Right. So at these flea markets, not only uh, are you a seller, shall we say, but you end up being a collector, whatever it may be. My forte is musical instruments, really. But... The reality is um, that's not a big item at a flea market. Right. Not that many musicians walk through <laughs> flea markets. But uh, a lot of this other stuff um, is. And in Florida, what's really prime is that a lot of people come down to retire, and they have older things that they've kept for years. And these are antiques. These are collectibles. And they could be anything from radios to uh, fishing rods to lures. Um, you name it, people collect it. I even had a woman buy a little statue from me. And she looked at it and says, oh, I collect manatees. Oh. And I looked at the statue and I, and I thought it was a, a porpoise or a dolphin. Sure. But then I looked at her. I said, well, if she thinks it's a manatee, that's fine. It's a manatee. Yep. So most sellers are collectors in some sense. Um, You'll go to a flea market. Certain booths might just have jewelry, as an example. Certain booths may um, do nothing but uh, old antiques. I mean, I've even seen booths
0: of... People that do nothing but old lunch boxes. Right. Before we move forward, because I'm going to ask you some specific things on what one should do when they go to a flea market, how to look at the item that you're considering purchasing. I want to take a walk back. I understand that a lot of your perspective on items that one can find can come from your past when you worked at an auction house. I grew up in a town, and in the town we had a uh, this auction. is Hanover.
2: Gallery. This is Hanover, Mass. Name of the gentleman was Louis Cook, and he would hire us on weekends for the auctions, etc. And uh, I ended up uh, working after school, etc. But I learned a lot from the gentleman as to value of things, etc. I mean, the one rule is if you're going to buy something, make sure you like it. Okay. Never look at an antique as if it's an investment. I see. It could be quite disappointing. Sure. Uh, Certain things lose over half the value, like a chipped plate or whatever, a piece of furniture that's uh, all marked up. Mm -hmm. Uh, You really have to know what you're doing if you think you're investing. Uh, By the same token, you know, he taught me many things. about how to read a customer, which may seem funny, but if you're doing an auction, you're trying to get a certain vibe going, shall we say. Sure. You want to get people to, to buy things, to want to buy things. And so it's, it's kind of a, uh, uh, a circus act, like a barker out there I'm smelling. And you use that at a flea market on a one-on-one basis. I mean, if somebody comes up and looks at something, and maybe they walk away, and all of a sudden, half hour later, they're back. Well, you know, you have a customer. Right. You just got to figure out, you know, uh, what the price is going to eventually be, and that's something else people don't realize. At flea markets, most vendors expect you to come back with a proposal. If they have ten dollars on an item they're expecting you're going to come back and say, well, you know, what's your lowest price or will you take seven for it, will you, you know, sure. it? and it's not insulting as long as it's done, you know, that way. Right. If you get somebody who comes up and says, oh, what a piece of junk that is, I wouldn't pay that, I don't, you know, I just walk away, I don't want to deal with them. Sure.
0: It's not worth your time.
2: Not worth uh, the aggravation. Sure. <laughs> so at any rate. But as you get into this, and you get, uh, and when I say you get into this, it's it's that every once in a while, if I go to a flea mac and I might just see that one item mm-hmm. that uh, either stands out or is different or I know the value of it and they don't, mm-hmm. uh, you're looking at some uh, silver uh, wear up on that shelf yeah, there. That I bought, uh, very, uh, uh, they were quite inexpensive, and I bought them at two different times. One once was actually in Connecticut, and the other in Florida. Um, and they had no idea what they had. Wow! Uh, so you, you learn how to look for the marks on silver,
0: as an example, silver. Sure, so uh, what would you look for? You see a silver pitcher, the first thing you're going to do. I'm assuming is turn it over and look for the mark that indicates that it's silver. Well, it depends where it is. Okay.
2: If uh, I'm just going to get up from the table, walk sure. across the room, and show you something.
0: So Dan is just getting up from the table and he's walking across the room to get something. And the house has some well-appointed items that Dan has found from various flea markets, and now he has what looks like a toothpick holder. No, it's actually a. Um, a bar accessory. Oh, like a, like a jigger. It looks yeah, like a jigger. Like, for A like, short oh, yeah, and, and a half right. short. Okay. But look at the marks. Okay. They're Indeed. really small and they seem to be almost indented into it. And it says smack. Is that right? Smatch? Oh, I can't even see that one.
2: They're different marks. They yeah, don't. One looks
0: like an upside down U. I don't know. What
2: one stands for, as an <laughs> example, this is English. Right. First mark shows that it's English. Okay. The next mark shows you what part of England it was made. Seen, okay. The next one's going to show you the actual person or company that made it. Wow, so this is old silver. This, this is, is old silver. It's called coin silver, okay. which uh, means that they used to take old silver coins and melt them down to make such items.
0: Wow. Yeah, it has four distinct, they're not engravings, they're almost like um, They're stamped, stamped in. Stamped, okay, yeah. 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 Wow,
2: fascinating.: Now I've had people come on to my booth. I might have a couple of pieces that look like silver, but are only silver plate or whatever. Sure. And I had one woman show up, pull out a uh, monocle glass, Wow, and just went over every piece, piece by
0: piece.:
2: And she didn't buy anything because I didn't have anything to, you know. She knew you know,
0: what she was looking she, for It
2: Yeah, she was obviously a, a collector. And yet, that same day, I had a gentleman show up and buy all my silver plate. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he says, yes, I know. He said, it's, it's worth what you have on it, but it's not real silver, it's plate. And I said, well, that's right, as long as you know that, I feel you know, comfortable selling it. He said, I actually collect this stuff for the
0: copper content. Well, oh, because silver-plated items can have copper?
2: Yes. Usually the base is going to be a brass or a copper or what have you. And that, of course, on the market fluctuates. actually fluctuates day by day. Wow. And this gentleman said, I've dealt in copper all my life. He says, I just collect it and put it in the garage. He <laughs> said, when the price is right, then I'll sell it off.
0: There you go.
2: So I just said, well, see, everybody collects something. Sure. Um... But as you as you progress, as I say, don't look at it as an investment. Mm-hmm. Look at it saying, "I like that piece. It's either something I want because I like the looks of it, the aesthetics, or it's something I know that is old, sure. but most probably has little value. And sometimes it's very difficult to put pricing on certain items. Right. We have a couple of butter moles that the farmers used to use to make sticks of butter. I see. And they're all handmade, mm-hmm. and they're roughly made. Right. And the the value, if you look, if you try to look it up in a book or anything, it's going to fluctuate.
0: You've also got a bunch of milk, uh, old milk containers or jugs. Yeah, it, I mean,
2: that, and that's funny because <clears throat> I, I had one. My wife and I, we had a one-room schoolhouse mm-hmm. when we were first married. I went under uh, the foundation, and these kids, there was an opening in the foundation where the stairs were, and they would throw inkwells and milk bottles and other things under there. Right. And I was amazed, uh, not just at the broken glass, but some of the remnants. So we had a few inkwells, but I found one milk bottle totally intact, okay. no scratches, nothing. And the glass... Uh, was quite old. Now, this schoolhouse was built in 1830 or thereabouts by by old shipwrights in Hanover, Mass. Okay, so it's in Hanover, we're talking about okay. And um, we always had it, it was always. And then I started going to flea markets, and I'm looking at milk bottles, and I went to one particular flea market, and this was up in Ontario, Canada. And the people up there were selling uh, these milk bottles for a dollar a piece mm. and they were actually beautiful and I remembered I saw one that has uh, actually it separates the uh, cream from the milk
0: the actual bottle does the it. actual
2: bottle does there's it a has bubble like a up well on, top. on top or a bubble on the top yeah. that does that okay. yeah and I just all of a sudden a flashback of my grandfather using the cream for his coffee wow and I had to have it sure and I think I paid a whole dollar for it <laughs> But anyways, all of a sudden that set me off to uh, pick or to buy buy milk bottles if they were very inexpensive. Now why? I don't know. Do I want to collect them? No, you could collect how many dairies have there been in North America over the years? But I have a few that I like and that's all there is to it. I do the same with Bells. I like Bells. I used to make Bells. Okay. So, and that's a common find at a flea market. Uh, would be no, market. no, it's, it actually isn't. I mean, for the most part, you might find a school bell. What I have are usually just very unique pieces, All right. um, very unique sounds, etc. And they're always. I always collect
0: just metal. I don't do glass or okay. ceramics or anything else. This is metal school bells. or yeah. metal bells. You're talking metal about, bells. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this. You've mentioned Fiesta mm-hmm. Ware, you've mentioned Bells, and you've mentioned milk mm-hmm. containers. What do you look for when you first see these items on a table?
2: Well, uh, there's, uh, the vendors are t- do t- one of two things. They either price everything out right in front of you so you know what they want, or they have no prices, which means you have to ask them. And if you're doing that, Half of those folks are going to look at you and size you up. Oh, I see. Oh, you're so you're interested in my cup. Yes. Well, it's a very nice one. It's, it's English. It's whatever. You won't find too many like that. Um, but I got to get ten dollars for it. Well, the cup isn't worth five, so you got to. You know, you have to understand. Now you may use that as a beginning bargaining chip. I. e. if somebody said that to me, I'd look and I'd say, No, I, I couldn't give you five for it. Not worth it to me. Right. And that immediately is gonna put him in a bargaining mode. Or you'll just walk away, which is
0: fine also. And you mentioned that the etiquette at a flea market is such that if you're respectful with how you negotiate, mm-hmm. it's perfectly fine.
2: Yes. Uh too many people uh or I shouldn't say too many. But many people think they know going to a flea market that it's going to be all um, bargaining you know, low end, you know, get it down to the lowest possible price. The problem there is you're, you're getting, uh, you've already started a confrontation. Right. And you don't want that. No. Neither side does. But... Uh, the point really is you've got to be respectful
1: okay. if you know,
2: I mean if you're not um, most of these people are, know a lot more than you know mm-hmm. so you can come off as as, uh, as uh,
0: arrogant disrespectful yeah
2: you know um, even if you're trying to pretend that you know something they're going to pick up on it immediately they've been around a long time now fleet markets are fun And there's an entertainment value to going to one. Sure. And if you've never been to one, you really should walk around a good sized one just so you get the lay of the land and see what people do.
0: Dan, what are some of the best finds you have found at a flea market? Well,
2: I grew up uh, learning how to play drums, and I played drums in a few groups. And one day, there was a very small flea market. at a church, a local church, and I went just to walk and peruse it. And as soon as I walked into the area, there was a booth and there was an old snare drum sitting there. Now, a lot of people get fooled by musical instruments, they think all musical instruments are expensive and sure. worth the money. But this particular one, I looked at it and I knew exactly what it was. It was a drum made 19, between 1938 and 1939. The name of the company was WFL, which stood for William Ludwig, who founded a company before that called Ludwig Drums, but they had sold out to Con Enterprises, a very large corporation. And when I saw it, I said, you know, I... I really gotta get that drum. I want that. And I went up to it, the patina on it, it looked like it'd been stored for ages in right. an attic or someplace. And I asked the man, I said, What do you want for that? He said, 65. Well, I knew I was gonna buy it at that point. I said, Well, we started talking and I offered him 50. He took it. Um So I just had to look the drum up as soon as I got home and realize it was worth $400 on the open market. Oh, wow. And do you still have that drum? Absolutely. And I'm sure that when I die, my my kids are going to have to do something with it. (laughs) But I'm not going to give it up. And, uh, you know, there are other things that don't have to be worth a lot of money for you to like. Mm -hmm. In fact, there are things, I don't even know what they are, But just looking at the quality of them, I I bought them. Like such as I have here an example, and I don't know what they are. Oh
0: man, they're heavy.
2: They are very heavy, and they're machined out of one piece of metal. Oh wow, very fine machinery, and they have on there a name which is Airflex. And if you look up AirFlex, you'll see they're a high-end manufacturer. Um, They provide parts for everything from cars to uh, NASA to whatever. But I saw this, and the work was so fine, I bought them. Um, They could be egg cups. They could be a shot glass. Sure. But as you say, they're quite heavy. I don't believe they're an item that they actually manufactured for sale. I think it might have been a promo item, maybe at a trade show or something, you know, giving out samples. But this was sitting at the, uh, on the flea market on the corner of a table. And I just, I don't know, I just bought them. And how much did you pay for them? Oh, well, I mean, I paid big money for
0: those. I paid 25 cents a piece. Oh, wow. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what they are. They weren't very expensive, but they're well-made. Any tips for people who are going to a flea market?
2: Well, as I said earlier, Mm -hmm. there's an entertainment value. If you go there to have a nice little stroll, see some items that you're just not going to see every day, right? and you're going to see a lot of commonplace items. One of the favorite uh, sayings... If you listen to the people walking through, you'll see something. They'll say, oh, my mother had one of those. I wonder what it's worth. Go over and say, wow, I should have kept it.
0: (laughs) I just said that. Actually, we were at the flea market a couple of days ago. What about advice for people who are are considering opening up a booth at a flea market?
2: Well, what you should do is if you really want to be involved that way, you should have a certain expertise on goods, uh, certain goods. Uh, you don't have to be an expert on antiques. You don't have to be an expert in any one area, but do what you like. Um, you're going to learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a certain expertise, and I went to a flea market once, and somebody had some a, a pile of silver flatware, and it was obvious that it was just... In the corner, and I realized, well, these people don't—they—they they don't really deal with this. They just brought it along, maybe to get rid of it or sell it. Sure. So I went through it, and I didn't see any silver marks. I didn't see anything that um, that tipped me off that there was something special. And the lady comes over and starts talking. Man, I—I I said, well, you know, she said, "Will you give me X amount for the box?" And I said, I'm sorry, I wouldn't give you half of that. And so that engaged us in a conversation. And she said, honestly, I don't know anything about this stuff. Right. You know, I got it out of a house or something. That, right. And I said, well, you know, you've got flatware. I mean, and I went through the whole box with her, and there was a, a, maybe a sugar bowl and a creamer. Right. And I said, now, that's worth something. It's got a very nice art deco type design to it, it's a bit unusual. So at any rate, um, if you're going to do that, if you have a hobby, maybe you have a hobby, it doesn't matter what the hobby is, it could be archery, it could be, uh, well I've, I've seen, uh, especially here in Florida, people that uh, do what they call treasure hunting. Okay. They get their scuba gear on, they go down, they'll pick up old coke bottles on the bottom of the bay. Uh, uh, one gentleman uh, did find some uh, old treasure, some old coins uh, and he also found a cannon. A cannon? A cannon. Wow. And so he picked it up. Um, he was able to get it to the surface and brought it to the flea market and everything and that's a heck of a conversation starter. I bet.
0: It, it certainly would draw you to the gentleman's booth.
2: Yeah. And I mean, now that's that's he wasn't necessarily an expert in anything, but he just liked doing it. Right. Uh, but, and there's just so much more. I've I've seen a lot of craftspeople make art out of sure. uh, out of uh, local plants right. and, and what have you. Some Soap painters or whatever. Things, sure. Yeah. So there's there's a whole slew of things. I mean, it just may be you're like me. You end up with so much stuff. And that's what we say, it's stuff, that's all it is, right. okay, and there's no reason to hold on to it for the next generation, because they don't have any interest in it. Sure. So what are you going to do, burden them down, and here, you know, you've got to get rid of it eventually, and
0: whatever. In, in your case, the answer was the flea market. The flea market. There you go. Well, Dan, I want to thank you once again for being on our podcast. Um, this was
1: certainly an enlightening episode on flea markets.